welcome into an all-new edition of the Tailgate Podcast. That was not planned ahead of time, and it probably isn't going to come over very well. You know uh, what? Fuck it. Guess who we are? Kevin Garnett's in the Hall of Fame. So, bam! Anything is possible. Uh, arguably uh, the first or second greatest Hall of Fame class in basketball. I second. say, yeah. and we had this discussion, and I do think it is the best, only because when you look at Kobe, overall, yeah, Kobe again. Thank you. Thank you for everything, Kobe. Congrats on the Hall of Fame to the Bryant family. But anyway, um, and that speech that you're talking, man, tearjerker. Vanessa Bryant, just that, tearjerker. Anywho, um, when you talk about uh, Tim Duncan, Kobe Bryant, arguably two of the top five. If they're not top five, six, seven. Ten titles between the two of them. Right in there. And then KG. Being top fifteen, top twenty. I honestly think, like, other than Duncan, who's in that class, he's a top two, three center or uh, power forward of all time. Yeah, yeah. I, yeah. I, think, I think I would agree with that. And so I think just that collection of talent. I mean, because you mentioned mm-hmm. the Michael Jordan, John Stockton class. Yeah, there was another great name in that one. Uh, Robinson. Robinson. David Robinson. Yeah, David yeah. Robinson. but I mean, Robinson is not even a top five center. No. Just outside. Right. Stockton is a top five point good. guard, but not, I wouldn't say Stockton Last is necessarily true, Robinson. but I don't know if I would say that no. Stockton is a top 20 player of all time. Top 30 for sure, but I don't see, I, I don't know, I just, I mean, you're bordering, Jordan, on, you're bordering on now lately that he's probably not even going to be top 30 very soon. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but it's I think this is a class that, yeah, this was a nasty class and when it's, mm-hmm. it's crazy, you're thinking three consecutive drafts that these just enormous, legendary, iconic superstars yeah, came think from about each the one. battles that those players had in their mm-hmm. careers. Oh, yeah. I mean, KG Duncan, I mean, those guys came in the league around the same time, were the top two power forwards in the league, battled it out, very different personalities, but both deadly on both ends of the floor. And yeah. then Kobe battling Duncan and in the playoffs in the in the 2000s and then Kobe versus KG in two different finals. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, those finals. Yeah. And those are two of some of the better finals that we've had at times. Oh yeah. yeah I like, mean, well the I mean the 08 one wasn't overly close. Right. Um, I mean it was six games but there was a few couple blowouts oh. in there. Uh, the the 2010 though that went seven games. Yep. The final game went all the way down to the wire. Celtics led at the half. And the Lakers pulled it out. The end. Pulled it out in the second half with a million free throws. Um, yeah. We'll not get into that. Yeah, we I jumped, like, and I just realized <laughs> I, I we jumped. I was we, about to be like a good comeback, and then I was like, hey, well, uh, it was uh, a lot of whistles. Yeah. Um, I just realized we just jumped right in without being like, hey, welcome back into another edition of the Tailgate Podcast. I oh. said, welcome to the Tailgate Podcast, and that wasn't planned. Oh, never mind. Yeah. Then I'm feeling silly. I'm all caught up with this. Uh, I'm on a boat, and anything is yeah. possible. Because I wanted to. I just wanted to point out that we're in a different spot. This yeah. yeah, we're exploring all areas of the back room. We like to see. We like to check out different avenues, different areas. Yeah. See all if angles. The vibe. If maybe, the feel is maybe, just you know? maybe someday we'll sit at the bar. Oh, I don't know if I'm old enough for that, guys. Ah. <laughs> Ty's definitely not. For that, he'll have to sit on the side table. Yeah, great. I mean, the kids' table on Thanksgiving. 
Until he can grow a beard, yeah. he can't sit mm. at the bar. It's fine. I'll sit at the kids' table. <laughs> During Thanksgiving, a lot less fight for, you know, food. I could just take it from them. Just wait till Archie gets older, then he's going to fight you. And you can yep. draw and color. I'd like mac and cheese, damn if it. He's okay. son, <laughs> if he's your son, there's going to come a day where Archie's going to fight you for food. Uh, yeah, I like yellow noodles. Uh, um, Who doesn't? Yeah. Those are my spaghettios. Also, uh, <laughs> Archie doesn't realize that his dad has food issues, but it's a different story, so we'll see what happens with that one. Things um, to look forward to. <laughs> Yeah, getting back into the Hall of Fame class, I mean, uh, that those two finals, though, thinking earlier today about, like, talking about that, those two finals literally encompass my my greatest high as a sports fan and my greatest yeah. Like, think about how crushing a game seven defeat Feet, yeah. is, like, especially when your team has the lead at halftime. And there's all those whistles and then, in the end, like you said, and just yeah. a lot of, all, well, like, free throw shooting and, yeah. Yeah, and... Just the legacy. Think about the legacy of those players. How much changes just with another title, for mm-hmm. that big three, because that was kind of their bounce back after missing the finals. After they were the best team in the league in '09, and then Kevin Garnett tears his ACL. Yeah, uh, done for the year, and <clears throat> they bounced back great. I mean, didn't have the greatest regular season, but got healthy for the playoffs and right. went on that incredible run. And then Kendrick Perkins torn ACL in Game Six. Yeah, have to start uh, Rasheed Wallace in Game Seven. Mm-hmm. Which is and he was just well past his prime at that point. Yeah, he made yeah. some big shots, but not not he wasn't, nearly he the wasn't Rashid prime. Old. Yeah. No, he wasn't. That was one the, of his last. Rashid, the, the people know. Yeah, yeah. He had one, one last cup of coffee with the Pistons, I yeah. think, and then he was done. I'll say that was the last. Did he get any technicals? Uh, actually, he got thrown out of the game. Yeah, uh, he was life? waiting. She's gonna waiting sheet. in the locker room for the refs. He was so pissed that he got thrown out of that game. Sheed's gonna really sheed. Oh yeah, I remember that. Yeah, came like kept coming over the ticker while I had to watch the Lakers celebrate. It was like Rasheed Wallace in the locker room waiting for the I referees. I do remember that. Like that. Yeah. yeah, he got tossed right at the end, and that like kind of the free throws that came from that and kind of sealed the game overall. Um, yeah, that I remember. I was actually sitting at Barley's one nineteenth watching Game Seven of that series. Yeah. And going from like super emotional high, like holy shit, we're gonna win another title, to oh, ball don't lie, ball ball did lie, ball don't lie, <laughs> ball don't lie. I mean, there was definitely some questions, some yeah, the it was it was one of those games where you're like, man, just the stop. what if, like yeah, it's it sucked, but I mean, when you look at the when you look at the history of it, I mean, that's Lakers Celtics, you mm-hmm. know, a lot of a lot of the battles have come down to yep. something that leaves one fan base pissed off or the other. I mean, that's that's yeah. why it's such a beautiful rivalry is Absolutely. there is a lot of moments that Celtics or Lakers fans can identify that are like, God, that fucking referee in that game. Mm-hmm. God, that, that player just totally screwed up. Like, they're just... Yeah, that's why I'm, I want there to be a Celtics-Lakers finals in the time that LeBron's there. Like, so within the next few years, because I... I fully believe that he's leaving the Lakers when his son I agree gets with drafted that. Mm-hmm. and he wants to play one year with his son and then I mean, it's, it's the most iconic rivalry in sports. Yeah, but nothing against Yankees, Red Sox, nothing against uh um No, absolutely. I mean as a as a Detroit fan, um I mean you're like we got to witness one of the greatest things ever, which was, you know, Gordy Howe starting center with his two sons on the same line. Yeah. Like that's like and I mean he played the most consecutive decades and all that stuff and it, I, he was trying to lace up for the winter classic game that we were actually going to, yeah. he was he his health had taken a turn, and he wasn't able, he was able to take the ice like they escorted him out there, but he was trying to get some skates on, you know, like he was like he's like I want to say that I played a professional hockey game in like 
seven decades, which is yeah. or six decades. That's, that's, that's ridiculous. Yeah, I mean that whole uh, having your son come up and being able to like, could you imagine? Like, I mean, it's great rivalry. And, just and, like, and yeah, and I that's that's definitely I completely agree. I think that is what's going to happen. But yeah, I I also agree that hopefully we do get to see another Lakers Celtics because yeah, I don't I don't think Red Sox and Yankees compare. I don't think Duke or Duke North Carolina compares. No offense, Ty. Ohio State Michigan doesn't compare. Not none taken, man. I mean, they met met in twelve finals, so mm-hmm. like, yeah. it's insane. Um, but not to leave Duncan, uh, Duncan out of it. Big fundamental, baby. <laughs> Big fundamental. I was gonna, uh, if you didn't, I was going to bring him up, man. Yeah. Like, those were two of my three favorite players when I was growing up, when I oh, was yes. really starting to understand basketball. First team All-NBA, I think, his first year in the league and, like, 15 or 16 times in between. Uh, quiet assassin. I mean, Never flashy. Nope. But... I mean, yeah, in a in a time when Shaq had the big Aristotle, the big so many different names, the fact that it was the most boring, mundane name to call somebody the big fundamental, and yet that guy would just yeah, the quiet assassin man, he would kill you night yeah. in, night out with just ridiculous efficiency. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So damn good. And if you're looking for like tutorial videos on how to execute a certain thing, that's who you look for. Yes. Yeah. I mean, that's uh, where... How you, was, how you play the post. There were so many other key parts working around him in that right. Spurs di- in that Spurs dynasty, because that's what it is. Mm-hmm. Five titles over 15, Ooh, 15 yeah. years. That's a yeah. dynasty. Or over... Yeah, it was over 15 years. Uh, that's that's a dynasty. And so... Three, three different decades. Yeah. Yeah. 99, the yeah. first one in the strike-shortened season. Yep. Or the lockout-shortened season. Um, but, you know, Tony Parker, Manny Ginobili, it, later on it, with the, you know, Kawhi Leonard... Leonard and Avery Johnson, Avery yeah. Johnson, Sean Elliott, Stephen Jackson, uh, Stephen Jackson him. for a minute, uh, Steve Kerr for a minute. I just had down there in San Antonio. Yeah, I just had the um, weird uh, memory because as soon as you said Ginobili, oh, I had boy. him catching that bat. What a horror on the on the court! Like I, it was just like that like famous <laughs> oh, yeah. Ginobili. Yeah, just but, you know, the bat. Like George Hill and Patty Mills the third. Mm-hmm. Like it's just yeah. they, they. But Popovich was it was it's at the key of it was Popovich and Duncan. Yeah, and that's why I say all the, these players that rotate around him because Duncan was the key. The decision by Popovich in '98, right before they took Duncan to make himself the head coach instead of hiring a new one. Mm-hmm. He was the GM. Yeah, at the time he wasn't wasn't the coach. And just said, nope, I'm going to coach the team, and the rest is history. Think about like yeah, he was the big name that everybody wanted was Doc Rivers. He was on the broadcast team for the Spurs. He was close with the organization, and instead he went to Orlando because Pop took that job. Mm-hmm. And he actually almost convinced Duncan to join the Magic as a free agent, and the one thing that, like... I was kept, too young. Yeah. Sorry, I was too young. <laughs> Just wasn't 18 yet. <laughs> uh, but no, I remember Tim, that. Yeah, Tim, 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 Tim and Tracy McGrady and Grant Hill. Yeah. They that, wanted, that close. Yeah, and the what killed the deal was uh, Duncan wanted his family to be able to fly on the team plane to games with, with the team, and the, the Magic said no, and that's why he stayed with the Spurs. So How many titles have the Magic won? Zero. Ah, yes. Zero. It's decisions like that. Yes. Stupid, short-sighted decisions like yep. that that cost you money mm-hmm. down the line, that cost you titles down the line. and that's Definitely cost them a title. Think about that. Yeah. That core, like... Would have been insane. Even with Grant Hill going through the knee injuries, you're mm-hmm. still would have talked about a Tracy McGrady, Tim Duncan 
foundation. And that would have been absolutely insane. And mm-hmm. I don't think people nowadays realize how good Grant Hill was back then. And that guy was considered – he was in, like, they spent years and years in the NBA anointing the next Jordan. Mm. Grant Hill at that point what in time was, was the next Jordan. Yep. Like, Kobe was the one after Grant Hill. Mm-hmm. But with the Pistons, Grant Hill was phenomenal. Mm-hmm. Those are the only two uh, basketball posters I had in my room, Grant Hill and Kobe Bryant. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And they were on the back of my door right next to each other. That's where I loved Kobe. But, yeah, Tim Duncan, I, I would play out on the uh, on the cement court that we had in, on my block. And mm-hmm. that's where I was always – I was the big guy. Yep. And my name was Duncan. So, naturally, yep. I worked hard at rebounding and getting shots in the post. <clears throat> my first uh, basketball poster was actually Kevin Garnett. Mm-hmm. And when he was still with the Timberwolves. And he was traded to Boston the week of my 18th birthday. Oh, man. Oh, shit. Yeah. They, that's nice. <clears throat> yeah. And – the craziest weird so like happenstance that happened with that team was that they won so they won the title in six games mm-hmm. to win their seventeenth championship on June seventeenth. So six seventeenth. What's the area code for Boston? I don't know. Six seventeenth. Jesus. Six games, seventeenth championship on June seventeenth. Facts. That's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. That's nuts. That's nuts. Yeah. yeah. Lasting memories of the But no, and that's amazing. And that's another reason why like we are clearly biased cuz right. all three of us have memories of each of these players. Right. Mm-hmm. And but it it also is again I think when you look at the historical aspect of how of the impact of these players like I've talked about before the whole John Madden is can you write the history of whatever you do without mentioning those certain players or with those certain people? And when it comes to from 95 until literally just a few years ago, when you're talking a 20-plus year era of basketball, there is absolutely no way that you can write the history of that era of basketball without mentioning Kobe Bryant, Kevin Garnett, and Tim Duncan. Yep. No way. And, and like, probably half the book just on those three. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, that era was – it was a really fun era. Like, it was the post-Jordan era, and there was all those, like, young, like, right out of high school guys, like – KG and and Kobe mm-hmm. uh, obviously Duncan went to college Wake before. Forest yep. yep yep out of the Virgin and Islands yeah like and then right after them you kind of had like the LeBron guy like just in just a different style of player like we'd never really seen a guy like Kevin Garnett enter the league no like yeah. a seven foot two guy who played kind of like a guard and, and just super with thin. just he he was just a raw nerve. Yeah. At all times, yeah. just and I'm not Broad saying that in intensity. a bad way. Like he just so much, yeah, mm-hmm. intensity and just energy and emotion all the time mm-hmm. on the court. Mm-hmm. I mean, people talk about like it's amazing to me some of the complaints and and this is not to say anything on like bullying or anything like that, but stuff that Kevin Garnett <laughs> did, like you don't see players, no. you can't do that anymore. How do yeah. you have an entire like we're getting into the era of guys that should have idolized these guys, and a lot of them did. But, how do we not have more guys that are like Kevin Garnett, mm-hmm. who come out there and just talk trash, bring defensive ends? Like you, you don't see these tall players. But honestly, a lot of them are more like Tim Duncan. Yeah, yeah. kind of quiet. They play it's the fundamentals, reserved. and yeah, they add the three point shot into their game more than more so than ever. And Dunk, that wasn't really part of Duncan's game, but like Garnett was 
insane. Like, mm. like you think yeah. of like the what he did in Minnesota, and then coming to Boston, completely changing the defensive culture there. Mm-hmm. Like, you just don't see bigs like him. Yeah. I love watching and, certain games, um, and every time they were obviously like showing in on the stuff because like Aaron showed me a lot of the stuff with like Geno time mm-hmm. and like how happy he is with Geno time and all that oh, stuff. He loves Geno time. But like the other the other part of it is like seeing him as ferocious and as like tenacious as he was on the court yeah. and just like the seeing both those attitudes throughout the entire game is like when when the whistle blows it's on yeah when there's a timeout you see it's like really like still passionate but like jovial like actual like you know Kevin Garnett persona that yeah. we all you know grew to love and then yeah. like like as soon as the whistle blows it was 180 it yeah. was I am the meanest son of a bitch <laughs> yeah and Kobe had the same yeah. mentality like once you're on the court with him, yeah. we're not friends. No yeah. like how much we train together in the off season, like right. And how, like giving you advice once we're on the court, you. I want to yeah. kill you. Like yeah. those two guys had that, and I mean Tim Duncan had that in a silent, more yeah. silent way. He'll kill you with his fundamentals, and he won't talk as much. Don't but tell that to Joey Crawford. I mean, right. Jesus. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah, he didn't like the rest very much. Well, specifically Crawford. Crawford didn't like him either. Yeah. yeah. Literally a, just la- like laughs on the sidelines and he gets tossed. And like, ha, what? Happened, yeah. Reprimanded by like Crawford reprimanded by the NBA, but mm-hmm. that's that's why it was that's why it still stands out is because you never saw Tim Duncan right. do have up outbursts. If you're looking for a fun YouTube rabbit hole, that's the one. Is like ejections where like oh, the yeah. the guy does nothing <laughs> and yeah. like and there are so many of those, Tom, but yeah, like yep. Tim Duncan, yeah, <laughs> and it's just like it is a rabbit hole. It's worth watching because you're just like what. What did he do? There had to be yeah. something off camera. Yeah, but you 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 talk about though that that intensity, and they're like once they're on the court, bam! Like I'm out to you. Like you are in my way of accomplishing what yeah. I want to accomplish. Mm-hmm. And so many athletes talk about how hard it is to flip that switch off sometimes. Mm-hmm. And I think if there was any candidate in the history of the NBA, especially in recent history, that when watching the game, we would have said there's no way that flip ever or that switch ever flips off especially in light of how we've seen the competitive nature continue on with Michael Jordan mm. well into retirement. Mm-hmm. And the fact that Kobe would have been one of those people who was like, absolutely, there's no way the competitive fire ever turns off in this guy. Yeah. And then to see what he became in retirement mm-hmm. yeah. was frankly nothing short of remarkable. Yeah. Yeah. And that's I mean, oh, just literally just taking phone calls from any player, offering advice, trying to help out in any way he can, being the ultimate mentor yeah. that if, if you would have told somebody that in the mid-2000s, that's what Kobe Bryant was going to be a decade later, nobody would have believed it. I mean, that's why his death at the end of it all hit so hard mm-hmm. was because of, like, he had his player footprint, but then, like, especially, like, his non-career player footprint just went so vast when it came to that. He, that's where, yeah, go ahead. That's where I'll give this this generation of players, the one, the post-Jordan generation, so much more credit than that generation, is all of these guys, and some guys that are coming up too, all of them work so hard at building up the new generation. Yeah. They don't tear them down and say, our generation was better, we were we were tougher, and all that, because they know it doesn't matter, every generation's different. They want to build these guys up, whereas you see like the Shacks and uh, guys from that generation, like right before these guys, all they want to do is tear them down. Like, oh, we, would beat, the, we would beat the 73 and 9 Warriors in four games. They're defen- like, yeah, they're defensive of their of their accomplishments. Right. What was, was it? Uh, there was like a, it was like, I can't remember, it was probably like seven or eight years ago, there was a, 
thing where it's like Michael Jordan challenged somebody one on one and beat them, and it was like a up and coming like oh Michael Kidd Gilchrist yeah Gilchrist and it was like, one of his own players. It's it, yeah. like what are you accomplishing? Yeah, here? and literally what it was is like okay, cool. Like I can imagine what happened there where yeah. it's like Jordan wasn't running all over the court on him. He's old. Like it was like right. I was like literally what he did is he probably backed him down in the post and just kept scoring on him, and that's it. And Kidd Gilchrist couldn't defend that. And it's like why would you do like why would you try to break down your own player? A player that, you that drafted yeah, that, in well, the top like, three. It's just for me that's just weird. And but it is you do see so much of this new generation doing it, and that's actually what I was going to get into is and you, you, like in some cases you did see Jordan did show appreciation like it breaks my heart when I see the story of the fact that he can't delete Kobe's phone number from his cell phone right. like that like you never would have expected that from Michael Jordan yeah it, but that's like a brotherhood type yes they they were compared to each other so much and got along because of their similar personalities I'm talking like the young young no no no, no. and that's and that's what I was going to say is we definitely saw. Kobe not just doing that with mm-hmm. with young men. Mm-hmm. You look at Sabrina Ionesco. Yep. You know the the former star yeah. from Oregon who's first overall take, pick last year in the Oregon the by storm. Just hit yeah, and she just hit the game winner on Friday, and then of course Kobe being inducted on Saturday. And I'm not gonna lie, I had just gone and gotten my second COVID shot, and I'm driving home listening to the radio, and I hear her interview talking about she, that Vanessa Bryant, uh, Kobe's widow, had talked to her before the game and talked mm-hmm. about how much Kobe loved mentoring her and trying to influence her career and hearing her like completely embrace the significance of her hitting this game winning shot the day the night before Kobe's being inducted in the Hall of Fame like man I'm not gonna lie it opened the it opened the floodgates for me like like you, you both know Saturday was already an emotional day for me as it is but I'm just like I'm driving home and I'm just like straight weeping in traffic right now guys like this is ridiculous but I'm just like man that's like Kobe like I that's it's it's ridiculous to think about a basketball player when I'm so much football and baseball centric, but like the one that's drawn the most emotion out of me, the depth that I've seen over the last last few years of any athlete, it's been Kobe, and, yeah. and that's where you really saw it's a footprint that didn't get to be complete. Yeah. It's one of the biggest footprints we'll ever see, but that's always uh, of a former player, but that's always going to be one of the biggest shames and what ifs is it's an incomplete footprint. Right. And yet again, the significance of it is still tremendous. It's still his fingerprints are all over the game. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, he was mentoring so many young players that are in the league right now. <clears throat> uh, it, takes, it takes a lot to have your phone on for that long. and that may, Especially I mean, when you're, you're considering he's like, taking care of four daughters, too. Right. Yep. Yeah. And, you he know? Was, and he was as high up as what they were doing with, like, the with his daughter's league and all that stuff. And, like, all he was, like, he was trying to mentor those girls and everything that he was doing. And, but to still take phone calls from any person yeah. that mm-hmm. wanted to call you. And I'm and I'm not going to excuse what what happened, you know, in the mid 2000s in Colorado. Like he made a huge mistake in his marriage. No, I still don't believe that he raped that girl. Um, that's my personal opinion. Anybody, if they want to disagree with that, that's entirely fair. But I just he Vanessa could have walked away, could have just said that's it, Kobe, and her patience. And her love, and then also him just the, the how he learned from that, the person he transformed into is. Mm-hmm. And I know this is ultimately turning into just a big Kobe, like Kobe love fest right now, but that's like the person that he transformed into was so tremendous. Mm-hmm. And we were seeing what an amazing father he was. And, and like the fact that after everything that had happened to that family, that Vanessa's the she's front and center talking about the influence he had right. and what he brought, like mm-hmm. it's. 
I mean, the, the injury statement. Like, yeah. why do you play through so many injuries? Because there's somebody that spent all their savings to come watch me play just once. And it's just like... 60-point game. Funny enough, <laughs> a kid that I know that's a big Lakers fan from my hometown actually did, like, road trip to L.A. To one do of that. Kobe's last, game, last years. It wasn't his final season, but the, I think it was the year before his final season. And Kobe actually did sit out the game. Oh, no. Oh, no. Yeah, like he had been battling some injuries, and like it was kind of just came up that they were holding him out of the game. But, yeah, he traveled all the way to L.A. Kobe did. That's a shame. But, I mean, you you look at when he did play, like he brought it. You know, you look at even the last game, Mm -hmm. it seemed like people were joking halfway through that game. It's like, well, he's just throwing up whatever he can now. But then you did see a point in the fourth quarter where – that also kept the it, Utah Jazz just, out of the playoffs. It playoffs. kept them out yeah. of the playoffs. And that's the yeah. thing that so many people forget about that is Kobe didn't just put up 60. Kobe led the Lakers to a come-from-behind victory yeah. over a playoff-bound team. Yep. Or not in knocking them out yeah. of the playoffs. Like, Kobe, Kobe went out yeah. making, like, leaving a statement. Yeah. And I'll never forget watching that game and seeing is like, okay, he's just checking up, whatever. But then there, there was a legit moment. It's like, Oh, we're seeing he all he it, it clicked and all of a sudden it was vintage Kobe. Yeah, the, it the, was only a few yeah. minutes, but it was vintage Kobe. It was the it was the black mama moment where you're just like, I'm not gonna get to enjoy this, but you're sure as hell not gonna get to enjoy yeah. this, and I'm gonna be the reason you don't enjoy this. And I loved it. A lot of guys, a lot of players don't get to write off like that, and right. that's that was uh, that was perfect. And so mm-hmm. again, like I'll wrap up all the Kobe talk with that, but it's. It was really cool to see in this class that that trio that were just again so important oh, to what is what a wonderful era of basketball mm-hmm. and we get to like continue that into the next class too yeah more of a <clears throat> little bit more of like a it's a it's second a mish- guy like or second or third guy it's more of like a it's, role it's, player class it's a mishmash of both yeah. the previous era and, and the, yeah because you have Bosch who really if it weren't for the the heart ailments, I believe it was at mm-hmm. the end, that kept him out of basketball. Bosch would pre- so yeah, probably still be probably, playing. Yeah, he'd be playing probably still. Um, and then, I mean, you have Paul Pierce who played with, played in the same era as all those guys, and Chris mm. Weber who played with all those Weber guys. Weber being the throwback. Yeah. yeah. I mean, mm-hmm. 1993 draft pick, I think. Yep. Tra- uh, yeah, he and the, the Magic drafted him and Shaq in back-to-back drafts, but then they traded traded C-Web for Penny. Yep. Uh, Can you imagine that post? Shaq and Chris Webber. <laughs> oh my then, God! And Ben Wallace, one of the best defensive big men of all time, developed late, four, but four straight. Just you, we were seeing him. You just like see that. you just see a stat put out of like eight blocks and twenty four rebounds, maybe three points. Yeah, but it was like, oh my God! How fun, how fun were those Pistons? Games? I was gonna, I was gonna say that was the year they the won. Most I mean, perfectly balanced basketball team I think yeah. I've ever seen. No superstars at all. Yeah, like everyone like kind of should be like ideally number twos or threes yeah but they, they played so, so well and their defensive intensity was insane yeah uh, love those, that team honestly those the Pistons Celtics playoff series once KG and Paul Pierce and Ray oh. Allen those were fun mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure two year or two out of two years in a row they maybe no next we lost to the Magic in 09 but 08, we went played in the Eastern Conference Finals against them, and it, that was a seven game series, and it was incredible. Yeah. Think about who that Pistons team. That Pistons team did only win the one title, but think about who they beat. Mm-hmm. They beat, yes, a lot of controversy with that that Lakers team, but the last Kobe Shaq team mm-hmm. that also had Carl Malone and Gary Payton on it. Yep. 
like star studded. Yes, it was an over the hill Gary Payton and Carl Malone, but still oh, they broke up the the Lakers dynasty. Mm-hmm. Yep. And then uh, just I mean again, it was once Rashid came in like they were good, really really good and then they got Rashid on the cheap mm-hmm. and just tore just tore it up from there. Rashid was the perfect complement in the post to Ben Wallace. Tayshawn Prince was so lengthy he could cover anybody and he could also drill threes. Chauncey. Chauncey, I was gonna say, who are you guys missing from here? I'm well, I was I'm literally going down I'm going down top to bottom. Like yeah. like five to one. And Rip Hamilton was Rip Hamilton could just pour Rip, in yeah. buckets. Yeah. Whether they were like he wasn't the strongest three point shooter, but that guy like wanted he could to wear a face mask dudes at some point and get time, open. just because of that. And then yeah, Billups. Billups was such a big point guard that he was so good on defense, but there was nobody more clutch. In yeah. the NBA at that point in time, yeah. people forget about the, his last stint with the, his, the Knicks. Or not the Knicks, the, the Clippers. Chauncey. Oh he, right. He played. He played next to Chris Paul. Paul, yeah. That, early early days of the Doc Rivers. The Pistons team also has what one is. And I know we've talked about that at some point. We need to do a what if a what if episode. What if episode? And one of my all time favorite basketball what ifs is. In the 03 draft, what if the uh, Pistons with the number two overall pick would have taken Carmelo at yeah. number two instead of Darko Milicic? Yeah, his career is a lot different. How? Yeah, think and I, I've read and I don't remember where I found this article, but I've read this article that basically like told like like told the story of what would have happened. And they're like instead of looking at Carmelo the way we do, he'd be right there with LeBron, maybe even higher than LeBron, and he would have gone. He'd be known as one of the greatest winners. In NBA history, because he would have won as a freshman at Syracuse, then he would have come and winning titles off the bat as the sixth man first with the Pistons, right. and then probably taking over for Tayshawn Prince or something, beating him out, and becoming oh, the star of that Pistons lineup. Oh, yeah, yeah, we would have moved Prince on that one for sure. Like that, you're talking the Pistons maybe winning three or four titles in the mid mid to late two thousands there, like just <sighs> man. And again, Carmelo's Carmelo's story is completely different from what it is. Yeah, I mean, and it's weird because, like, uh, obviously, we've always talked about it. Like, basketball, I love watching basketball. Um, I'm the least knowledgeable by far about, like, basketball. But it's, like, those little, like, tidbits that you're just like, man, like, I probably would be a major basketball fan because that would have started – because that would have been right around the time that I was, like – really diving into all those sports and it was like mm-hmm. well yeah, I'm from Detroit so I, I like all the Detroit sports things but like I like I, I'd be in a completely different direction right now yeah, yeah. but yeah I mean because that was like I mean, that was right when hockey was like kind of like starting to like we had our older guys and our good guys but that was when we kind of went too far with our older guys so it had been like one of those like well hockey's really starting to fade basketball okay cool Tiger started to stream upward that's what it yeah it would have been a weird weird time I mean, if, if KG doesn't go to Boston I probably don't as big of a Celtics fan as I become, mm-hmm. just because the year there. that that happened is my senior year of high school. He was yeah. already one of my favorite players in the league, and for him joining my team and then winning a title after years, my whole life of them not winning, like, yeah, I, yeah, I, I can't imagine where I'd be as a Celtics fan if it weren't for that team. That's Celtics probably never get Ray Allen. Who knows? Well, they, they traded for Ray Allen first. Oh, that's true. They well, but but I think but they already were playing. They were already yeah. the KG thing yeah. was in the works. If the KG thing didn't happen, it was in in talks. But the, remember, KG wanted to be in LA. Yeah, he was he was talking with Kobe about does, joining up with him. Does Ray Allen go somewhere else, or does Ray Allen stay in Seattle? Does Seattle maybe keep Ray Allen and Kevin Kevin Durant? Does Seattle maybe even stay in Seattle? Uh, like, well, 
That was probably still already in the works, them moving was, Oklahoma City, but... Yeah, well, yeah, because... The, yeah, they traded Jeff Green. They traded, they traded, yeah. they got Jeff Green for Ray Allen. Ray Allen. Yeah. 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 And then I think a couple other picks. Yeah, Because that, that was originally the young trio they thought they were going to have was Jeff Green, Kevin Durant, Russell Westbrook. Yep. And then Ibaka emerged. I mean, yeah, they and they had... The, I mean, the four of them for one year. Mm-hmm. With, with Harden for one year, I think, too. Yeah. Because then Green was part of the Kendrick Perkins trade. Correct. Yeah. Hmm. Yep. It's been a part of three different trades with the Celtics, which is crazy. That is crazy. Yeah. Um, but and yeah. now he and Durant are teammates again. Mm-hmm. And, and Harden. And Harden. And Harden. And there's one other, actually, too. Russ is just like, oh. <laughs> I can't remember who it is. There's another Oklahoma, random Oklahoma City guy on that team, too. Not like a big name guy. Tabo? Cephalosha, no. Uh, I don't know. I don't even know where Cephalosha is. Anyways. Um, How Cephalosha of you? I don't, I don't know. know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, shit. I didn't inject a little bit uh, here. <laughs> and one final one that's close to my heart uh, is Mike Gorman, who's the, been the play-by-play announcer on for the Celtics for over 30 years, next to... Uh, Tommy Heinsohn, who was lost earlier this year, he won the Kirk, so they're giving Mike Gorman the Kirk Gowdy Award, which they basically give to a, one media member every year that basically inducts them into the Hall of Fame with them. So he is in the Hall of Fame with his buddy uh, and getting an, inducted with Paul Pierce, who he had some of the greatest play-by-play calls, calling Paul Pierce games. His career is just awesome too. Do you think Paul Pierce repeats what KG did and does not mention Ray Allen? Paul. Paul doesn't really hold that grudge. It's more okay. of a KG, uh, Rajon Rondo grudge. Like, Pierce and uh, Doc Rivers are still kind of buddy-buddy with gotcha. Ray Allen. It's not a everybody shuns him. It's just Kevin Garnett didn't like the way he did that. It's like the Celtics kind of they offered him more money, finally offered him the no-trade clause that he wanted because he was sick of his name always being in on trades, and then he still left for the team that they had just lost to in the yep. in the playoffs. So, just, I don't think he will ever forgive him for that either. Like, no, no, that's one of those guys. Like, it might happen way, way down the line, but it's, and KG it's rubbed off on Rondo so much mm-hmm. too. Rondo, so much of Rondo, yep. like he absorbed a lot of that personality yeah. and that that's very bullish. Just ah, well, yeah, piss that off. Would, that would be like a. 25-year re- reunion sort of... Yeah, I mean, they just had the 10-year a couple years ago, and it was on... 35-year. Ray Allen was like the only one out there. I'm just picturing like 20, uh, 25-year anniversary, Ray Allen just shows up just like, Kevin! Hey, just hammered out of his mind. Kevin! Love me! Why don't you... <laughs> I still remember the first game that they played against each other when Allen was with the Heat. He went up and Garnett wasn't even looking. He like went and patted him on the back on the bench and Garnett just looks up, realizes who it was and just shakes his head and he just wasn't about it. That was like right after it happened. So you understand the ner- like the anger still then, but yeah. like I really thought he'd be over it by now, but he's a different type of competitor. Don't piss off KG. No. Got it. A little bit. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, I'm looking forward to that class, too, because Paul definitely deserves to go in. I know I texted you guys that I got into it with a KU fan a while back. So uh, he was like, he was 
definitely not as good in the pros as what people thought. I was like, I don't think you realize like how good of a career Paul it Pierce had. It blows my mind when I look at, and this is not me trying to pick on KU fans as much as I enjoy to do that, um, but it blows my mind how many KU fans I've noticed just when you, you see it's like a consensus almost to hold a grudge against somebody who doesn't stay all four years. Like, I've heard Paul Pierce. I've heard Joel Embiid. Mm-hmm. Like, a lot of love for Wiggins, which I don't understand, but... That doesn't make sense like, at all. Like, guys who don't stick around all the way. Well, like, like especially after this past year with, like, how they underperformed, like, mm-hmm. what are they going to say about Yudoka? Like... But it's like you look at a star. You look at you know Drew Gooden. Like so much love for Kirk Heinrich and Nick Collison, but Drew Gooden for the fact that he left a year early. Ah, screw that guy. Julian Wright left left before Rush and Chalmers won the national title. Ah, screw that. Like it just seems it it makes me laugh. And like again, we go back to a Paul Pierce where you see so much love and adoration showered upon Rafe LaFrance and Jacques Vaughn and Scott Pollard, but because Paul Pierce left one year with one year of eligibility left, all three of those guys have. Rafael Friends, Jacques Vaughn, and mm-hmm. Scott Pollard. Scott Pollard, at least Scott Pollard, and what? Who was the other one? Rafael Jacques Vaughn. Jacques Vaughn. Hmm. Well, two of those guys, I should say. Played for the Celtics? No. Uh, uh, became no. coaches? Yeah. No. Uh, I got what you're spitting. <laughs> what I, I like the white guys that stay all in four years. Yeah. I know Jacques Vaughn. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah, well. <laughs> yeah the. Kirk- Kirk Heinrich and okay, yep, <clears throat> yeah, uh, but yeah, there's always been a lot of disrespect for towards Pierce's career in general. Like even I remember Draymond Green tried to like go in on him down this like when he was with the uh, Clippers and he was having like his goodbye tour. He's like nobody thinks you're Kobe, and he's like I'm not trying to be Kobe. I'm not people are honoring me. I'm not asking for it. Like they're giving me things and. It's just like, how can someone who's like the fourth option at best on some good teams go at a guy who was literally the finals MVP? Yeah. Pissed me off. And almost got the Celtics to an NBA Finals in what, his third, fourth year with along with Antoine Walker? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, with what was pretty much otherwise a shit roster? Yeah. Yeah, it was 04, so six years Oh, uh, was it 04? Yeah. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah, they went to the Eastern Conference Finals and went like, I think, yeah, seven games. Before Twan's career fell apart. Mm-hmm. Oh, he was fun. He was so fun to watch. I loved watching I Antoine. Antoine I, like, I was a big fan of that duo. The shimmy. Big shot. Mm-hmm. This Antoine Shimmy. Yeah. Uh, but anyways, let's get into actually talking about some playoff basketball because we get that oh, tonight. Yeah. First uh, real play-in tournament. Uh, we kind of previewed it last week. The standings didn't end how we thought they would. Because uh, last week the Hornets were the seed. Now they they're the Boston, 10. But they were locked in. Yeah, Boston was locked in actually going into last week. Yep. They, they couldn't move regardless, so they rested their guys in their two, three games that they've had since our last show. Um, and they're, they'll be playing Washington tonight. Uh, how different these two teams are since the last time they met in the playoffs, which I remember watching the game seven actually at the other place with Ty. Yep. yep. Uh, when they went seven games and it was the series – Right after Isaiah Thomas's sister passed away, mm-hmm. he dropped 50, 50 some points in one of the games. Uh, we had the Kenny, Kelly Olynyk game games. seven. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Do you, do you still but, have that uh, Kelly Olynyk Starbucks shirt? 
somewhere. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. oh yeah. yeah. I never get rid of those shirts. Whether they fit or not, they, they stay. Yeah. I'm actually planning on making like a big blanket out of all my old stuff. Oh, hell yeah, man. Hell yeah. But uh, that was a big rivalry that year because you had um, John Wall and Isaiah Thomas that didn't yeah. get along. And the King and the Jay fourth. Crowder and uh, what's his name? It's another Kate. Kelly Oubre that kept getting into it. And yeah, so that went seven games. And now both of those rosters, other than Bradley Beal and Marcus Martin, Jason, Jalen Brown, actually, no one else has left. Yeah, you guys games. drafted Tatum that the summer. summer. Yeah. yeah, that was actually the night that it yeah. was announced that the Celtics traded the number one, one pick, pick for the number three. It was announced yeah. during game seven. Yeah. And it was like, cause I remember because it was the was like, Mark Gold. What are we doing? The yeah. Fultz fallout. Yeah. yeah. I thought for sure they were locked in on Fultz, and then we yeah. took Tatum, which just worked out. Darn. Know, Has I it? I guess. <laughs> Darn. I guess. Uh, but yeah, and also in that game, Jason Tatum versus his friend, Bradley Beal. Yeah. Both St. Louis kids. Went to the same high school. Uh, I'm really excited for this matchup. Bradley Beal's mom coached Jason Tatum's mom in volleyball. Yeah. Oh, cool. About those. Those guys. That's why they grew up so close. Yeah. Um, and then you have Pacers Hornets later, or uh, coming up in just a little bit uh, for the nine ten matchup. The winner of that will go on to play the loser of the Boston Washington series or series game for the eight seed. Uh, so yeah, so a couple fun matchups there. It's like also the Hornets matchup. Hayward could have very well ended up with the Pacers. That's kind of his hometown team, and he wanted to go there. That's where yeah. I thought he was going to go. That's where I, yeah. I think a lot of people did, but they couldn't agree on the trade package, and then all of a sudden the Hornets came out of nowhere offering way more money than yeah. what the Pacers were. So, and I mean, honestly, it's, it's kind of weird, especially since it is because uh, isn't the, isn't the Hornets isn't isn't the one that Michael Jordan owns? Yeah, and that like how like he just really like squandered everything and been like, eh, I don't give a shit, I'm not gonna pay these guys. It'd and be even cooler like, if it was still Boyer Bird that was running, the, right? The Pacers. Oh my god, yeah. yeah, the Great White Hope. <laughs> Larry's not white. He's clear. Yeah. <laughs> the Space Jam taught us one thing. Larry's not white. It's my favorite it's clear. <laughs> As you can imagine. Uh, <laughs> Larry, yeah. Larry Bird's just like, do you think I have a shot? No. <laughs> no? Well, it just completely shut down. easy? No. And then at the end of the game, at the end of the movie, when they're like watching Michael's comeback, and he's just like, could have been me. Could have been me. Will you let that go? <laughs> just Larry Bird just clowning Bill Murray. Uh, so Most good. underrated part of that entire movie. Yeah. <laughs> yes, that was incredible. Uh, actually, I forgot. Actually, the Hayward's not playing for the Hornets, so no. that's kind of a big hit for them. Yeah. But Lamelo is. Yeah. And I mean Terry's been. Yeah. Really good this year. Terry had a huge bounce back year. Yeah. Uh, he's looking to get himself yeah. another. Looking a little scary. Scary Terry. Little scary, scary Terry. Terry. Mm-hmm. Uh, I still kind of expect the Pacers. I think to win that series, they, I think they're more talented overall, uh-huh. playing for a little bit more. Um, but I'd love to see the Hornets win that. Cause, yeah. I mean, I think they're just a fun team, especially with Melo yeah. being back. Yeah. I mean, I, I really. I, I mean, we talked about two. I mean, the two players that we talked about beforehand. Um, I'm coming at this from obviously like a DraftKings angle, um, but just Levert and Sabonis. Like, mm-hmm. Sabonis has had a great year, obviously, and especially like when you... Mini Jokic. Yeah, Mini Jokic. And like, geez, like, just those players are 
really, really consistent and always really performing like that, where it's like the Hornets definitely have had their ebbs and flows, and so I just feel like the consistency is going to win out yeah. in this in this series. Yeah, I, th- I think so, too. And also, like I said, having your, one of your top two players out not play in a one-game scenario, that's that's a huge loss. Yeah. Um, then we have the Western Conference side where we have a huge, Ooh. huge 7-8 matchup. Ooh. Lakers versus the Warriors. LeBron versus Steph. Warriors come out <laughs> to play. And we've seen some maneuvering by the other Western Conference teams trying oh, to yeah. get out of that number two spot. The Clippers kind of tanked a couple games, and the Nuggets as well, to avoid having to potentially play the who Lakers. Might, who might we have to play in the second, in, the, in the first round? We might have to play the, the, the Lakers. Lose, go, get, okay. get, get everybody out, yeah. everyone. So, personal question: um, How do you guys feel about teams? That tank at the end to try to get better things because I think sometimes tanking it puts you in a worse position. I mean, but the Lakers are coming off of not having those guys play too, so they're process, I, bro. I, it's the process. <laughs> trust, 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 trust the process. The process. Uh, trust it. <laughs> trust it. Uh, I personally, with what the Lakers have gone through the second half of the season. I honestly, if I'm one of those teams and I'm healthy, I would want to play them as early as possible. Right. I think when they're knocking off that rust is very much when you winnable. Yeah, it's more winnable early than it is like okay, let's give them. Say they do come in and play the well, they they'd play the Suns if they win tonight or tomorrow. Um, the Suns are a very winnable game for them, and then the second round series they play. Well, I guess we don't know because it reseeds. But if you're the the Clippers who have already beat them every time you played them this year, yeah. why wouldn't you want to play them as early as possible? I I don't get that. For, get like, it over and done like, with. They proved more so this year than they did even last year that they can play with them, whether they're healthy, not healthy, whatever. Like the, the Clippers have had an underrated, very good year, especially second half of the season. Mm-hmm. Like I just think that's kind of cowardice to – to try to avoid a team in the first round series, like, yeah. well, I mean, they were, I know that because, like, so there were mentions of it uh, on the hockey side with Colorado and their last game they had to play because it was basically them deciding: do they want to jump the Knights mm-hmm. or do we want to keep that fourth position or third position and or second position and go through the Wild? And it was kind of the similar thing where it's like, well, the Wild looked better, mm-hmm. and then they ended up just dominating to yeah. take the Knights, and they ended up dominating the Blues in that game. But it's like what I. I do not agree with a team to be like we're going to go. Like, it doesn't, and I don't know. Maybe I'm, I maybe I am trying to be like a purist about the sport when it comes to that. Where I'm just like, I want you to go out and give your all every day. But I get, I, I get the kind of aspect of all. But like in the same fact, it's like for me, it, it lessens it, it cheapens it. Well, I think, I think it also has to do with health too. Just like when you do have like, you're like, all right, well, you see how the LeBron teams and uh, the Spurs historically have benefited more from being healthy in the playoffs than their seed uh i think you don't want to risk down the stretch like all right well what if Kawhi gets hurt in the in a game where we're all we're doing is trying to keep one one seed higher than where we should be like i'd rather have a healthy Kawhi guaranteed i get it that's kind of what the celtics did too like when they were locked into their spot they're like all right well the rest of the way we're playing our young guys to get them some legs going in because we're going to need them Right. Well, like, 
it just looks bad when there's like two teams that clearly like kind of tanked games at the end and didn't care about winning them to stay in the two seat or to go into the two seat or stay there. So the, both the Clippers and the Nuggets at different times last week were in the two seed slot. And Hot potato. Now they're three, four. Right. And they're like, all right, Suns, you can go be the sacrificial lamb if, if that ends up happening. I mean, the Suns yeah. are a fun team, too. Yeah. And honestly, like, say, I, man, if we're I like the Suns story. Looking down the barrel of uh, Chris Paul against either Booker, the Lakers yeah. or the Warriors, potentially. Chris Paul against LeBron. Chris Paul against Anyone. Steph. Yeah. I mean, For, if anything, Chris Paul's going to bring it. <laughs> the thing is, like we've and like we've talked about before, how much he's been written off as a point guard, and how much he's been written off as a different thing. Like, I mean, not to the like to the average fan, yes, but to like people who actually follow the sport, everybody knows that Chris Paul was the best point guard of the last fifteen years. Oh, one hundred percent. If you but, don't believe that, then yeah. I mean, you have to you're dumb. Paying attention. It's yeah. Russell Westbrook. Yeah. <laughs> but I mean, man, I love that. You know, like I mean, he's. I mean, Aiton is performing really well this year, and, and I mean, you can tell that it's because he has a captain behind him that is just phenomenal. And I, and Booker isn't still forced to be the young guy that has to do everything, and it's just it's worked out really well. Legit star in Devin Booker, yeah, like he has yeah. emerged as truly a legit star, one of the elite scorers in the game. And I saw a random like crazy stat. It's like as much love as like as we give Damian Lillard. Last year, like he feels like like the most disrespected point guard in the West. Game pass, and you can make that case. But think of like he played mainly in the Steph, CP3. I think the point guards there, a Chris Paul point guard team, and has never finished with a lower record than a Damian Lillard playoff team in any year ever. Wow. Ever. Wow. Wow. Ever. That's crazy. Yeah. What the? F- yeah. Like, and th- th- that's the thing. Like, Dame's never been on those like one or two seed teams that like run through the playoffs. Like, when they go far, they're gritting it out. Like, he's it's been him and McCollum, and like early on, yeah, he had Aldridge and some solid pieces. But like, the Blazers really haven't have done a great at all. job of building around Dame. And I mean, that speaks to speaks to the like the greatness of Chris Paul. Everywhere he goes, there's they win. Like he went to the Clippers, instant contender. He's with the Suns, two seed his first year there. Houston he went to Houston. They should have been in the finals. Yeah. When, if he if he doesn't hurt his hamstring in Game Six, they're in the finals instead of the Warriors that first year. Wow. Yeah, Chris Paul. And honestly, there there was a case for his MVP candidacy towards the end of the or like the second half of the season, and like. If it wasn't for Steph doing what he did, Jokic doing what he, he's doing. Like, there's three guys who you just can't, you can't ignore that Chris Paul's ahead of them. Like, Team Joker. Oh, he's going to win it. And I don't I don't agree with anyone that says that, like, oh, he doesn't look sexy when he's he does not it. the sexy ch- pick. I was like, who the fuck cares about a sexy pick? That doesn't need to be, like. Who was the most dominant athlete this entire exactly. season? And it was him. Yeah, I mean, he still has his team as a three seed after losing his second best player for the year. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, I can't wait for that Warriors Lakers matchup, though. Loser, oh, man. Loser plays the winner of uh, Grizzlies Spurs, but it would be incredible for me to see the Warriors upset the Lakers in that first Come game. Come on, Steph. <clears throat> Come I'd on, Draymond. Be incredible. I would love it. I rarely have a root for Draymond, but. Especially for. When we talk about that killer mentality, mm-hmm. 
and that Steph killer mentality of I'm going to put it up from anywhere and I'm going to sink it and it's not even going to touch anything. It's literally just going to go nothing but net and you're just like, good God, man. Yeah. Like, I just, I good love God. Like, yeah. Like, I mean, I mean, it also brings back that nostalgia feeling that you had about the Warriors when they first started like kind of taking it all where they were the, where they were the underdogs. You know, before Kevin Durant got there and all that, and you're just like, oh yeah, we're rooting for this team because they're the underdogs and this team, and they can do this. And then like they became this like powerhouse, and it's like, yeah, I'm still rooting for them. You know, it's but. a big contrast of styles too. Yeah. Like the the Lakers play a big down low game, they play big, and the Warriors will shoot it all over the court. Yep. Especially with, I mean, Weissman's out. Their biggest, their most important big now is Draymond, who's really only bringing it on the defensive side and rebounds. He says. <laughs> That's about it. Like, he's not trying to score. It's not what he's there for. I, I just think that's going to be a fantastic game. I really hope it is, at least. Because uh, that could give us a really good second game, too. No yep. matter, I mean, no matter which side goes. So I think the Grizzlies and the Spurs are both fun teams, too. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. uh, what do you guys have for uh, hockey? Uh, we've had a couple of good games uh, coming out of the start. Um, I mean, the I Bruins did. Game, it was fantastic. Yeah. Uh, Bruins Capitals, man. Um, I uh, crushed in Boston's face. Yeah, I crushed the over in this game uh, for a certain reason. Crush the over in playoff hockey. Just do it. Um, it's worth it for you. Uh, but I mean, this game was just tit for tat and just exchanging blows. But Wait, then, which one are you talking about? I'm talking about the the first one that went to overtime. overtime. Yeah, yeah. Game one. Yeah, game one. And then it was just yeah overtime. Tuca. Oh, oh man. man, just a just a hell of a slap shot from Oshi, yeah. and just whoop, hits Tuca right right in the right in the stomach, right in the chest, something, and then just dribbles right past him underneath yeah, oh, his legs sucks. into the net yeah. in yeah. overtime. And like it's game. Like, and so like your knee drop is super important, and when it comes to the goalie, like how quick can you just? And he did not like he was not fast enough to collapse down. And when he did, like it was just like. And it was just like one of those like soft goals, but it was like it was not an Oshi goal. Like Oshi yeah. didn't earn that goal, but he yeah. he got it. And kudos, go Oshi, man. Kudos had a really really good return from. I mean, he was one yep. of the guys who he started out at the bubble, but then opted out mm-hmm. midway through. He said he had some family stuff that he just couldn't yep. focus on hockey. But he's had a fantastic return. Like he's yep. an incredible year from what I've been reading. Yeah, um, I mean, Tuka is a. Um, a otherworldly goalie, and it was a uh, like one of the weirdest years was the Tim Thomas Tuca coming up here, um, and uh, Tim Thomas won the Vinzina on that one. Uh, but I mean, those two goalies, it's like it was like that was clear that year that you're like, okay, you gotta get rid of Tim Thomas because he's old, and Tuca is the future of the sport. Um, but I mean, uh, the Avs, uh, Avs and Blues were a hard fought contest last night. It was a really really fun game. Um, and then the Avs turned in the Avs, and they steamrolled them and won four to one. I, I think going into the third, if I remember correctly, or going late into the second, at least it was one one. And then there was just a couple of bad plays, and the Avs did what they do, and they just you know capitalized on it and just boom. Uh, it was, I mean, it was really really fantastic playoff hockey. Um, and as, as much as I love to make fun of Boston, they did even it up. Another game that went to overtime yesterday. Right. So now you got a 1-1 series. And, again, I just love to make fun of Boston because I'll never forget yeah, I guess when they were just... in the Stanley Cup Finals two years ago against the, the freaking Blues, and they choked away that series. But when Boston fans were in the stands at the TD Garden Center fighting each other 
Yeah. And I just, I'm, I'm watching this and I'm just like, this is the funniest thing I've ever seen. Because not Celtics fans, Bruins fans. They're the same people. <laughs> no, no, because not all Royals fans are Chiefs fans. And fair enough. Boston's different. Boston fans and Boston are idiots. And at least when the, at least this group of Bruins fans and a lot of the Red Sox fans, definitely a lot of Patriots fans. I like the Celtics, so I'm not going to say Celtics fans. But I said I like the Celtics, <laughs> but no, I'll never forget it. Like the splash of the beer, and then all of a sudden, just this scuffle breaks out, and it's like you're fighting each other. Stop it! It's the, the fucking finals. Yeah. And but no, so I love to see the Bruins struggle because I think it's hilarious. So. Right. I love seeing that, but again, the Bruins are a hell of a team, and to their credit, you know, came back and tied it up. So right. that's uh, going to be a hell of a series. Yeah, I completely, uh, I completely forgot that they went to overtime in both games. I was like, yeah, no, the overtime one. Uh, what? The first one. The first overtime. The one. first one. Yeah, uh, I the, mean, the hilarious one. Yeah, these uh, these series are going on right now. I know right before we started recording, which obviously is a little bit on a time delay. Um, I, the other game is up to, and I think it's the Canucks. Canucks are, yeah, yeah Canucks they're up on the Flames 2-0. 2-0 now? Okay, cool. In the um, second yeah. period. Second period, yeah. So, I mean, that was like right when we started recording. That's kind of where we're at. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, I mean, playoff hockey is always just fun to watch. It's really gritty, and then there's usually a lot of scoring, which is why I jokingly always say crush the over. Um, yeah, Hurricanes, Hurricanes, who are a juggernaut right now, oh, God. hung five on the Predators. And yep. The Predators are... Damn good team. Like they, uh, they had a really rough year this year with Pekka. And true, they, but I mean they're a team that can get hot in the playoffs. Right. Um, That's the beautiful thing about playoff hockey. You never know who's going to get hot. They're they're the example Too of what hot. we talked about. Hot damn! Call the police and the fireman. Uh, <laughs> Sorry, I did that, folks. I didn't mean to. Duncan's fault. Duncan's fault. Uh, but totally no, it's like fault. so. It's one of those um, teams that we talked about, especially like going into like the rebuild phases. They're the ones that kept all their talent a little bit too long, so their rebuild is going to be a lot longer because they're going to fall off the face of this earth probably this year, unless they happen to somehow finagle a uh, cap trade to get Eichel out of um, Buffalo, which he's already wanted out. Exactly. That's a very, very sad thing, actually, that we should probably talk about for hockey. It is Uh, a sad thing. He's been in the league for three years. Yeah. Eichel was in the Connor McDavid draft class. And obviously, there was other players that came back, or the year. Before. I think he was the year after. Year, yeah, but like I think he was the year after because he was a first overall pick. Right, right. So yeah, sorry. Um, but yeah, so basically, he's uh, yeah, it was the year after because basically, what ends up happening is he gets lost by the wayside for how talented he is as a young player in the NHL because he's surrounded by all these other people that were just as good, if not a little bit better than he was. Um, and he wants out of Boston, or sorry, he wants out of Buffalo, and he's made it very, very clear that um, them, like the decisions they made and everything that they did this year was not what he wants and been basically saying, I want to trade. And it's really sad because Buffalo Sabres have really never had their time to shine, and Eichel was going to represent that promise for them. Not since they had Hasek in goal right. before he went to Detroit, which, for those of you keeping track, that's been like 20 years. Yeah, and the reason why he went to Buffalo, where he left Buffalo to come to Detroit, he wanted a cup. That's, I mean, like, like he, he wanted he wanted that, uh, that hardware. Yeah. He joined one of the greatest teams in hockey because he just really wanted more hardware. And that was like that was what he wanted. And the thing is, I call I mean, him a homer, he, but it's true yeah. that is one of the greatest teams ever assembled. Yeah. Um, and then, like when you look at it, I mean, look at the other like they've always had some sort of talent that's been upper echelon. Like 
that's horrible. It sounds almost like the Detroit Lions, where it's like they have somebody like that. You're just like, wow, that person's great. Ryan Miller as the goalie. You know, like um, I mean, he stood on his head during the Olympics, and sucks that we didn't get a goal for that. Uh, but when it comes down, fucking Sidney Crosby. Um, yeah, fucking Sidney. I know. Never yeah. forgotten. Yeah. Pins are down. Oh one. Yeah. Speaking of the NHL playoffs. That was another shootout game. Um, but, yeah, like, when it came down to it, like, Eichel wanting out of Buffalo is really, really sad because uh, Buffalo would probably be immediately thrown right back into a rebuild and a very, very low-level rebuild because they can't keep a star because their coaches in their system. The dude's been there three years, and he's gone through basically three different coaches. And now he has another coach that he worked with at the end of this year that's probably going to be the coach, and it looks like he good, he did good things, but Eichel's like, no, I'm done. I want out. And I don't blame him, but it's like how it's much... It's just a bummer because yeah. you want to see you want to see parity in the right. sport, and you want to see these guys, these teams, when they get the number one overall pick, you want to see that be the start of a rebuild. Like right. we saw what the Oilers have done with... Or I'm sorry, the yeah, what the Oilers have done mm-hmm. with... Uh, McDavid, Connor McDavid, and Leon Dreisaitl. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're 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 right up there as one of those teams I mentioned that if they get hot, they can absolutely make a run. Yeah, and I mean, it's it's really it's really hard because like you if, like if you want to put it in perspectives, especially for like Chiefs fans, imagine Patrick Mahomes not being happy in Kansas City and being like, "I want out." After he got you, why would you even say that? I'm just saying, like, as far as like trajectory with everything is I'm like he's going my phone going into his more than it's already broken. Yeah, going into his what fourth year? You know, or third year technically, full year. But like, that's where Eichel's at in his career, and just, he is just we just ate barbecue, man. You're gonna yeah. give me a heart attack. Yeah, but I'm saying like that's like what you're Thanks, you're Aaron. dealing with that star player being like, no, nah, I gotta go. It's not real. Yeah, and it's 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 a uh, it's a rough blow to the sport for sure. <laughs> But um, and the thing is, from Buffalo's point of view, is like you have to accept the good trade, but also in the same fact, you have to try to go about repairing the relationship first, and you hope that that relationship's not too far gone. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's it's a very 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 long winded conversation, but I mean that's like yep. basically your brief talking points being had in the NHL up in Buffalo, being had in the NFL up in Green Bay, right? The smallest markets in. North American sports. And I, Interesting. We should have the Bills, Buffalo. Yeah. We should have the Bills. And me just being a hockey fan in general, man, I just like, it's not like Green Bay where it's like, oh, well, at least they're competitive and do all this stuff where they're like constantly in it. Like, Buffalo really hasn't ever been like super elite competitive. And so you're just like, you root for them. You know, they're an underdog. You want them to be successful because they're a great market. We want Grant to be happy. Every yeah. 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 We really do. Yeah. yeah I mean, we really do. smile more. Yeah. The guy that actually uh, off camera dropped off the bottle of rump gave us the bottle of rumplemans, but uh, <laughs> right, Duncan, time to choke. Nope. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah I just, but Duncan, us two, clearly. Yeah, I uh, I had enough of that back when I worked at the OP. House wine, house wine. Wow. Yeek. Yeek like is cr- the correct response to that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, all that said, who is your favorite to win the Stanley Cup? Ah, uh, still abs. Still abs. Oh, yeah, you did tell us that a couple weeks yeah. ago. Uh, I was, I, I mean, I'm, I'm nervous about the opening series versus the Blues, but I mean, if they, if they come out like that, I'm thinking. Oof. I mean, Knights, you, you can't ignore the Knights. That's the other thing as well. I think it's obviously that division is the one that's going to come down to that and just who's, who's ever going to make it through goes. Caps. Caps. Oh. Like caps to reclaim the crown. 
They, I think they swan they, song for old uh, Ovi. I mean, mm-hmm. I think it, I, I don't mean, know if swan song. Quite not swan song, but he's getting close. He took off his helmet the other day, and it was so weird because it was like it's like one of those things where it's like you think of Ovi. Obviously, you watched a lot of games with his helmet on, and then like he was doing his pre skate, so he took his helmet off, and you're just like. Oh, hi, Salt and Pepper. Like, <laughs> you're getting old. I mean, yeah. he's, no, he's getting he's getting up there, but I like, I think I think this Capitals team, after finally getting that first title three years ago, I think they've still got I think I think they've got another run in them. Yeah, still That's got some more talent. Sure. You still you still got T- Oshi. I mean, yeah, they were they were the team like uh they were the team like Buffalo beforehand, where it was like, man, I just want the Capitals to do something good. Mm-hmm. And I mean, following Ovi's entire career, it's just like it's sad that he only has one, but you're just like that one was like I was celebrating. Yeah. Do you want to talk about any baseball or? No, the only thing I want to say, because I mean, I've I've pissed and moaned about more shitty umpiring yesterday on Tapped In, which again it was legit because the Royals got jobbed again. But ultimately, there was bigger issues at that, and I think the Royals I've referenced that they you know have a very very hard truth that they need to face, and that's Wade Davis is done. You know, he needs to go. Uh, but one cool thing happened in Kansas City today is Greater Kansas City Day, and it's the opener for the Monarchs as well. Oh, so, hell yeah. Seen all sorts of Monarchs gear, people like, yeah, Tim Grunhard and Neil Smith were around the area selling Monarchs pennants and stuff to That's help awesome. the uh, Rotary Club. Oh, hell yeah. Okay, so you're helping out kids. It's it's Kansas City getting back to its, the former T-Bones getting back to the roots. Yes, it's on the Kansas side, but still, I mean, it's all Kansas City, I mean, to be the, honest here. The Monarchs organization is just fascinating in the history that came through here you know satchel page uh buck o'neill uh jackie robinson number five you know and then became number 42 and obviously we associate him retiring number 42 and him doing what he did and breaking the color barrier was so phenomenal and it being directly related to kansas city is a phenomenal historical thing and i like I've felt some, like, I've, I, how many times have I talked on this show about how much I love Kansas City, and I still remember the first time when I went to the Negro Leagues Baseball Museum when I was a kid, and just how much, like, walking on that field and seeing the, the statues of all the players at their different positions, Buck O'Neill, you know, manning the helm, like, it's such a cool place, and then I remember, and that was when Buck O'Neill was still alive, um, may he rest in peace, but... Like, to think that it came so close to being taken away and so many people contributed money and made, got awareness out there about it. And now it is something where when opposing black players come to Kansas City to play the Royals, so many of them that value the heritage, like, make a, make a point to going to see the baseball museum. Yeah. And, and you'll learn so much. It's- it is truly a remarkable gem in Kansas City. And not to toot Kansas City's own horn, but we had two. Late, yeah, too late. Uh, but uh, one of the best, the two best things in Kansas City are obviously like two museums that just stand at the forefront, and that's World War One Museum, mm-hmm. which is a phenomenal museum to go to, and then the Near Leagues Baseball Museum. If you do not go, you are missing out. Absolutely. Uh, yeah, and like, uh, I mean, there's so many players associated with this team that you like learn about that you want to just dive into more things. Cause obviously like, I mean, Satchel Page was a more talented player than Jackie Robinson in the Negro league. There was a number of players like, more talented than yeah. Jackie. And that was like one of those things where like Satchel Page ended up, I think going to the pros at the very end, yeah, at the end in of his forties, in his forties, but he was like, he was in his forties and went to the pro. Like that's how talented believe, he was. I believe with Cleveland. I think yeah. Imagine what he would have done 
got there sooner. Had he gotten there sooner? You talk about a guy who might who was considered the Babe Ruth, Josh Gibson. Josh Gibson. Yeah. He, he 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 has been reported to have hit over 800 home runs in his career. Jesus. I mean, yeah. you're t- you talk cool Papa Bell. You talk yeah. like there are so many. Uh, one of my personal favorites and one of the greatest names that I will ever hear, uh, Wilbur Bullet Rogan. <laughs> Bullet Rogan. Yeah. Bullet Jonesy jo- Irvin. Yeah. I mean, yeah. it just it's it's remarkable how many phenomenal players played in the Negro leagues, and if not for Buck O'Neill, they didn't they weren't going to get their day. Yeah, and they did, and I'll, I'll never forget how it was. Unfortunately, after he'd already passed away, when he was he was put in as not a, not truly inducted, mm-hmm. but Buck O'Neill was put in the Hall of Fame, rightfully right. so. I mean, I remember Absolutely. when I was. When I was in college, when I was going to K-State, and I had to, in my speech class, we gave a persuasive speech, and my speech was basically saying, if you look at a guy like Pete Rose is kept out of baseball for things that he did detrimental to the game off the field, why shouldn't somebody who has done so many things that are beneficial to the game off the field be inducted inducted on the flip side of that coin? And that was when I finally saw this happen, and that's gained a lot of traction. A lot, a lot of other people have said that over the last few years, of in regards to you know a player like Dale Murphy with the Atlanta Atlanta Braves of like you know when you see some of these players that aren't being allowed into the Hall of Fame the Mark McGuire's the the Barry Bonds the Roger Clemens and it's like why not induct just some of the good guys in the game and that's where this is going to lead into something where one of the good guys in Kansas City and the person who took the mantle that Buck O'Neill had put. Had, had created in really pushing forth awareness of, of this remarkable museum and has ran with it and become an icon in Kansas City in his own right, and that's Bob Kendrick. Oh, yeah. That guy is yeah. a well of stories. Yeah. Like, he has taken the spirit of Buck O'Neill, and he's he is the personification of it. He's, he's a wonderful man, and, like, the time that he will sit there and just, just spout stories, Gracie Gat can tell you this, and, like, it's... It's a cool thing, and it's one of those things that makes me really proud to be a Kansas Cityan. Right. Is and that it's, it's a day like this, Greater Kansas City Day, and especially doing yeah. it with the debut of uh, the re-debut, and, I should say, of the Monarchs. I get there's kind of like that weird aspect to it, uh, especially when it comes down to like it's what it sounds like we as a country made a mistake, and we have that like sensitive issue when it comes around, you know, the color barrier and all that stuff, and. We need to address what we did wrong so that we could move on from it. But in the same fact, it's one of those things where it's like, hey, like this is not a shining point for like what what like we as a as a country did. But these people that we love and cherish completely changed our way of thinking, and that needs to be admired. Mm-hmm. It's it's it, this is a is a day for a true celebration, like a right. day of celebration for something that truly. It's huge. It makes a big difference. So I'm absolutely all about it. Greater Kansas City Day. You got folks. anything else? Greater Kansas City Day. <clears throat> nope. All right. That's it. Uh, thanks for listening. Uh, We've been, this is the Tailgate Podcast. We've been on a boat. <laughs> Great blue watery row. Poseidon. Look at me. Oh, whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> <laughs> thanks for listening, guys. Uh, we'll see you next week. <laughs>